So we'll be looking at James 2, verses 14 to 26. Tashina read it for us earlier. So I won't read it again for the sake of time. But this morning, I just want to do an overview, a quick overview of what we have been looking at so far in the book of James. In our study of the book, in our study of James, we have been discovering, and I use the word discovering for a reason, because I have been finding out things that, that I did not know. And I have taught James before. I taught James before in 2013, and I am seeing things that I never saw then. I taught James for what? I think six weeks, and I'm seeing things that I didn't see then. But our discovering this morning, or, or over our time together, we have been discovering the, that genuine faith is not passive, but it is actively expressed in all aspects of our lives. Genuine faith influences and impacts everything we do. It influences our worship. Because if we truly say God is king if we truly say jesus is king if we truly say god is our father and he's the reigning king and he reigns supremely the way we worship him should change it should not just be songs we sing because we know the words our hearts should be poured out our hearts should be turned towards him our eyes should be fixed on him and so last week we discovered persons who serve were with compassion, were persons who were impartial. They did not show favoritism. They operate from a godly perspective. They follow the royal law of love. They speak and act with sense of impending judgment. And they extend mercy to others, irrespective of their worldly status. This week, I want us also again to look at the profound connection between genuine faith and meaningful faith. And, and I hope this week you'll get an understanding why I keep stressing the word authentic faith, true faith, genuine faith, because they are in fact different from faith, just having faith. We come to understand that a compassionate server recognizes the inseparability or the inseparable bond between faith and works and deeds. They acknowledge that faith and complacency are incompatible, and they realize that righteousness is attained through the active expression of faith. All through the epistles of Romans 1, verses Romans 1 and in particular 16 to 17 and Ephesians and Galatians, Paul emphasizes salvation by faith alone. Sola fide. While our text James 2, 14, 26, the debated passage in the Bible on faith teaches the big idea that faith without action, without works, without dead deeds, is dead. Some theologians suggest that James' perspective on faith being inseparable from works contradicts Paul's perspective on faith being solely by God's grace alone. But sometimes what we fail to re realize is that 
Paul is not the inspired, only, the only inspired one. God inspired, James was also inspired. And so God gave him a different perspective. And it's not that he contradicts James, but he comes and he said, if you have this, James contradicts Paul, but he said, if you have the faith that Paul speaks about, this is how it should look. Another school of thought among theologians maintain that James's viewpoint on faith is not in conflict with Paul's, but places equal importance on both faith and works and focuses on the ongoing demonstration of the reality of the initial transaction of faith and grace with God. So in essence, James, James is saying, okay, when you came to the faith that you needed to come to know Christ, that initial transaction of, of God's grace, yes. But there is the ongoing transformation. There is the ongoing demonstration of, of this faith that you claim to have. According to James, show your faith by what you do. Faith, therefore, is your action after receiving the gift which proves that you are continuing to trust in God. Faith, therefore, has to be tested. Faith has to be clarified. Faith has to be purified. Faith works. Faith stands. Faith overcomes. So from James 2, 14, verse 26, um, uh, th there are three points that I've garnered from it, which I want to share with you. And from verses 14 to 18, the, my, my topic or my point or my claim is the kind of person who compassionately serves recognizes the inseparable bond between genuine faith and action. So if you and I claim to be persons that James is calling. And remember going back to where we started first by, by looking at what kind of person is this? The kind of person who compassionately serves recognizes that there is an inseparable bond between faith, genuine faith and action. You can't separate them. From verses 19 to 20, we will see the kind of person who compassionately serves acknowledges that faith and complacency are incompatible and cannot coexist. You cannot say that I have faith, but there's no work to show. From verses 21 to 26, we see that the kind of person who compassionately serves realizes that righteousness is attained through the active expression of faith. So let us start begin by looking at the first claim. The kind of person who compassionately serves recognizes the inseparable bond between genuine faith and action. In verses 14 to 17, we see James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? That's verse 17. James, again, is addressing Christians. Remember, the entire Bible was written to, people, to the people of God. So at no point was God addressing sinners. Let us start from that as a foundation. So every time you go to the text to read, whatever you find in the text was written to the 
people of God. New Testament was written to the believers of Jesus Christ. So James is addressing a situation where there is a disconnect between what Christians claim to believe but fail to demonstrate through their deeds and how they live. So what are deeds? Deeds are actions that are taken or words done because of one's faith. The deeds in essence are the things that you do because you claim to have faith. The deeds James called believers to carry out are not done apart from faith, but done in faith. They are not done instead of faith, but done because of faith. James is not promoting works to be added to faith. Neither is he questioning the validity of the believer's faith nor dismissing the importance of faith. James is saying, if you have faith, this is what you do. Your faith has actions. There is, there is that ability to do because of. You don't do to get faith. You, 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 you work, you have actions, you have deeds being done because you have faith. So instead of calling, instead, in, 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 instead of, of, of saying to, to the people, you need to do this because you need to do that. James is saying, I am calling Christians to have faith that works. Not faith that is dead, but faith that works. Faith that works because genuine faith should be visible. It should be tangible and it should accompany results that reflect your faith as a believer. You cannot have faith and nobody sees your faith. And we're not talking, and even our sister faith in Kenya, we cannot talk about faith without seeing our, our, our faith. That is physical faith. James is saying to us as Christians, if you have faith, your faith must work. George Tullock suggests that faith is the underlying stance of Christian life. Deeds are the way of life, and in becoming mature and complete is the goal of the Christian life. In essence, what he's saying, for a Christian life, the underlying or the foundation is faith. The way you live, your way of life, is how the deeds and the actions that you do, the works that you do, because you have faith. And you become mature and complete by having faith, by allowing your faith to work. And that's the goal of your Christian life. So James challenges us as believers to examine ourselves. James says, check your faith. Is it merely a theoretical belief that you have? Is it merely a theoretical belief, but, 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 belief but is it is it check your faith is it not merely a theological belief but a living transformative force that is evident in your in your actions in essence james, james is saying check your faith is it just theoretical is it just something that you believe because you have read about it or you've heard about it 
or is your faith living and transformative, changing and, and is evident in the things that you do? The very nature of genuine faith is accompanied by actions and it expresses itself in works and without the corresponding actions, faith is incomplete. Actually, James says faith is dead. It is lifeless. In Matthew 7, verses 16 to 20, Jesus speaks of recognizing true believers by their fruit. He said the visible works of our actions that flow from a heart grounded in genuine faith. You, can, you and I can say we have faith, but unless our faith is working, we are, we, what we have is dead faith. In verses 15 to 16, James says, James gives a hypothetical illustration to show what a dead and futile faith looks like. He said, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? Again, James is speaking to us caring for our Christian community. And he says our Christian duty is to care for the Christian community. In Acts 4, verses 32 to 37, we see when the believers were united in heart and mind, those who had shared everything they had with those who did not have. James argues that if you see your brother and sister in need and you pray for them or bless them and send them away empty-handed when you are in a position to help, your faith is dead and futile. Your words are empty and your good wishes are pious words without actions. In essence, James is saying to us at NLH, if we have true, genuine, authentic, and living faith in God, it naturally leads to actions that reflect the faith we claim to have. The practical outworking of our faith is externally demonstrated. So we can't have faith and it is internally hidden. Our faith should affect the way we, we have peace. It should affect our joy. It should affect the way we care. It should, should affect everything we do. As I said earlier, our faith influences and impacts our daily lives. So the practical outworking of our faith is externally demonstrated in our daily care of other believers, particularly in the context of material and physical needs. Verse 17, James says, in the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Unless your faith and my faith is producing actions or deeds, it is useless. There is an inseparable bond between genuine faith and action. It is said that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense because it is inconsistent with what we profess to believe and how we live. It is hypocritical because it is not evident in our actions, nor does it reflect the sincere and heartfelt commitment we claim to believe. Faith should not be confined to mere words. 
It's not only about me telling you that I have faith and sharing with you how I am believing God for something or I'm believing God. No, faith should be my lived reality. Faith should be your lived reality that influences and informs your daily lives. Therefore, our words and our deeds need to be aligned. What I do and what I say should be together. There should be a harmony between what I do and what I say. I can't say that I believe, but I fail to act upon my belief when I see someone in need. I can't say I believe, but I fail to act upon my belief when I, when, when I hear God calls me to go. Verse 18 says, now someone may argue. Some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how oh, can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, James is saying. James argues for the unity of faith and works and against the inseparability of faith and actions because they are not equal alternatives. It's not either that you have faith or you work. No, faith works. Faith is always accompanied by works. You cannot say you believe in God, yet you are not actively engaged in the mission of God. You are not actively doing what God calls you to do. We cannot have genuine faith without it being authenticated by works. We cannot claim to believe without acting upon the belief. Our faith is not valid unless it is outwardly expressed. This morning as I sat here and I listened and we worshipped, I thought of the thing that God has been sharing, sharing with me recently and even more and more about various individuals and his plan for various individuals. And I know some will be ready to take, the, take on the mantle and some won't be. Some will be more intimidated than some. Some will be, 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 be ready. Some will feel afraid. And, and we all are at various places. But when I, what I sense in my spirit, God was saying to me this morning, the call of God upon NLH's life and NLH's members and the visitors and those of us who are part of NLH. God is saying that the call that is upon our lives is never for us to sit only and believe. The call is for us to go. Our faith must work. What is the benefit for believers in claiming to have faith without demonstrating it through works as proof of their connection to Christ? What is it? What 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 is the benefit? How do you benefit by saying that you 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 have faith, but there's no proof of your connection to Christ? What is the good in your having faith in God and there are no outward evidence of a saved life? What's the difference between you and I and the people around us that are busy going by their every, about their business every day? What are some deeds of your love and actions in which Christians can engage to harmonize their faith 
and their deeds as a natural outgrowth of their faith to follow Christ. What, what are the deeds of love and actions in your life that's demonstrating that natural outgrowth of your faith? Christians can serve in many ways. We can serve as disciple makers. We can serve as evangelists. We can serve by doing the missions work, not only going overseas or, or what we consider missions to go and to share the gospel overseas. That is still evangelizing. It's about doing humanitarian acts, helping those who are in need. Advocacy, social justice, human rights issues that align with our faith, prison ministry, community engagement. There's so much. And I, when I sat here this morning, I hear God said there's so much work to be done and NLH members, we are not engaged. Yes, we go to Kenya, maybe twice per year, some of us, some of us once. Yes, we, we read our Bibles and we pray. Yes, we do all of that. But God is saying there is so much more work for NLH members to be do, to, to do. And he says, and, he, and, and the question I sense him, hearing him tell, telling me to ask, ask you and for you to reflect on what deeds of love and actions that are natural outgrowth of your faith? What has your faith motivated you to do? What is your faith motivating you to do on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis? Yes. We go to on missions to Kenya. Yes, we do those. But okay, other than our last trip to Kenya, which for some of us would have been last month or this month, or for some it was March, or for some it was last year or the year before. Other than that, what have you been, this faith that you profess to have, what has it motivated you to do? How has it been showing up in your life that shows that you are connected to Christ, how have your faith harmonized with works, with your works to show that you are connected? What is the proof of your connection to Christ? Are you actively engaged in deeds of love, service, and righteousness as a natural outgrowth of your faith? If not, why might there be that disconnect between your faith and your actions? Why is there that disconnection between what you claim to believe and what you do? Because if faith is works, is it is, is the natural outgrowth of our faith? What is the outgrowth of your faith that you claim to have? What are you doing? How many persons are hearing about Christ, whether they accept him or not, because you spoke? How many persons are being fed because you saw the need to be a part of a ministry that fed people? How many persons in prisons are hearing about the gospel because God has placed a prison ministry on your heart and you have surrendered and say yes? Or is your life all about you every day, every week? It's about me, 
And how can I make me better? And how can I make my life better? And how can I do more for me? Because God is saying, if you claim to have faith in him, it should affect what you do. My second point this morning is the kind of person who compassionately serves acknowledges that faith and complacency are incompatible and cannot coexist. Verses 19 to 20 of James 2 says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And foolish persons, do you, you foolish persons, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? In verse 19, James argues two points. He argues that belief alone is insufficient. And he argues that faith without uh, with and, and work faith cannot operate without without works. James begins arguing that belief alone is insufficient by acknowledging the foundational belief of the Christian faith, the belief that there is one God. That's what the Christian faith is built upon. There is one God. Monotheism. One God. However, he, James does not stop there. He exclaims and he says, good that you believe that there is one God. It is good that as a Christian you believe that because it's the foundation upon, upon which you exist. It is the foundation upon which you believe. And I remember when I was reading this text and I, and I had to confess to the Lord. I said, Lord, there are sometimes where I question, is God for real? I don't know if you're like me. When you face a challenge or you're going through something that seems, seems as if, no, wonder if God is real. Wonder if God is really real. I've asked that question too many times to, to count. But James is saying, for the fact that you believe that there is one God. It is a good thing because the very existence of your, what your faith is built upon the, the demonstrates or requires rather that you believe that there is one God. But listen to what James says, following up. He says, but even demons believe in the existence of one God. Even demons believe what Christians believe and they shudder, they tremble fearfully. Even demons believe what you believe. So what is the value or benefit in your belief as opposed to the demons belief? What is the difference in what you believe from what the demons believe? We believe that there is one God just like they do. And how does your belief positively impact what you do. Your belief that there is one God, what difference has it made in this world that you live, in society in which you're a part of? Is it only because you believe and you're on your way to heaven? Or is it impacting the things that you do, the works that you do? Mere belief or acknowledgement of God's existence is insufficient to distinguish our faith demons also believe the truth but their belief does not save them neither are they obedient to the belief 
to follow God. So if there's that component of being saved and obedience, what is the difference that God is calling you and I who profess this faith to have? Keep remembering that James is written to Christians. So in what ways are you different from the demons? Since like them, you also believe that there is one God. Can you imagine the final state or the final outcome of our family members, our friends, our neighbors, and our co-workers who do not believe in the existence of that one God that we believe in? Or that they've heard, but none of us have felt the need to keep encouraging them to believe? Their end result will be just like the demons. In verse 20, James challenges those who claim to have faith, but do not back it up with corresponding actions. James says, if you believe that faith and co complacency can coexist, you are foolish. If you believe that you can have faith in God and remain unproductive, neglecting your involvement in the mission to save souls, you are acting unwisely. Believing that simply professing faith in God and then becoming and, and, and then becoming complacent is, is sufficient is being senseless. Only an empty person believes that they can have genuine faith without doing anything. Only an empty person focuses only on their salvation without thinking about the salvation of those around them. James is calling you and I, and he's challenging us about our faith. He said, if you believe that you're a child of God, if you believe that there is only one God, what has your belief caused you to do? How have your belief influenced you? How has your belief influenced you? How has your belief impacted you? Authentic faith is not just a mental knowledge of God's existence. Authentic faith is that deep transformative relationship with God that finds expressions in our actions. You notice what Jesus said? I only do what I see my father doing. That means Jesus was saying to us, he is also doing, he believes in his father, but he's also doing what his father is doing. What is his father doing? Saving souls, feeding this, feeding the home, feeding the homeless, looking after the sick, feeding those who are disenfranchised, those who society would look down on that we looked at that last week, that society would be partial towards. James is saying authentic faith expresses itself. Genuine faith challenges us to move beyond belief to a faith that is active obedient and marked by love and service. If you separate faith from works, you will end up with a corpse in your hand, a faith that is lifeless and a faith that is dead. To be distinguished from the demons who believe, we must be actively yielding our lives to be vessels through which God can further his kingdom. So James is saying to us, you cannot live in complacency 
knowing that you have faith. You can't every day be thinking about me and, and, and how do I meet the needs of my needs and how I do me and me and me. No, it can't be always about you. James says if you do that, you are foolish because your faith and complacency cannot exist together. They cannot operate together. Faith works. Faith takes on feet. Faith does my third point this morning says the kind of person who compassionately serves realizes that righteousness is attained through the active expression of faith. In verses 21 to 26, it reads as follows. Was not our father Abraham considered righteousness, righteous sorry, for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodgings to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deed is dead. In verses 21 to 24, James highlights the story of Abraham, who is often referred to as the father of faith. And you notice what James was saying. James did not say when that Abraham believed God alone. No, he believed God that even though his son that was promised to him, Genesis 15 verse 6 says, when God said to Abraham, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars and the sun on the seashore. He did not withhold the only son through which those descendants could possibly come. Instead, his actions demonstrated trust in God's grace and an ability to provide what was beyond human ability. Abraham's action of offering Isaac as a sacrifice was the tangible proof that faith and works is inseparable. Faith and work cannot be separated. We cannot say we believe if we fail to act upon what we believe. Notice, look at Abraham. Abraham could have just believed and sat there. But the scripture says no. No. He was considered righteous by his faith and his actions working together. And his faith with the actions made him complete. Remember, we have been looking in James one about being made complete and mature and lacking nothing. Our faith can only become complete and mature when our faith works. When our faith takes on feet. Our faith can only be complete and mature when we not only believe God, but we act upon what we hear him say.
in verse 21 to 24, we, we hear that by his act and faith, he was considered righteous. By Abraham's faith and action working together, Abraham's faith was made complete. The difference between genuine faith and faith is that faith, the faith that works is a genuine faith that causes maturity and brings us to completion. Verse 24 tells us that we are made right by what we do, not by faith alone, but by faith and works coming together in harmony. In verse 25 to 26, James further illustrates this point by referencing Rahab, a Gentile prostitute in the city of Jericho. When I think of Rahab, she was a brave woman. Rahab, faith in, in the God of Israel, led her to hide the Israelite spies and protect them from her countrymen. Imagine if her king found out that's what she was doing. She heard of the Israelites' God. She didn't encounter him. She heard and she believed and she acted upon what she believed. But you and I who say we hear, we know, we believe, how has your faith been different? What have you done with your faith that you claim to have? Rahab's Actions were consistent with her faith in the God she only heard about. And because of her faith and actions of risking her life to hide, to hiding the spies, she was counted as righteous. Can you believe that? The woman heard about something she did not know, she did not experience. She said, we have heard about you. We have heard about your God. She didn't experience him. She said, we have heard about your God. And she was willing to risk her life for a God she heard about. What about the God that you claim to believe? Are you willing to risk your reputation, risk your character, risk, your, risk what you own, risk what you believe, risk what you know to follow him, to do what he called you to do? Uh, what are you willing to risk? James concludes the passage with a powerful statement. He says, as the body is dead without breath, without the spirit, so faith without deeds is dead. Your faith and my faith without doing what God has called us to do is dead. If we continue to live our lives daily without sharing the gospel, without discipling others, without seeing the needs of feeding the poor, without becoming involved with what, with, with what is happening in society. And yes, we pray, most of us pray. And that is good that James would say, but there is more to what God has called us to do. We pray and we move, we pray and we go, we pray and we do. Our faith needs feet. It is not enough for us to go to Kenya once, twice, three times per year. It's not enough for us 
to tell someone about Christ last year or two years ago. It's not enough to tell people I am saved. That's not enough. James is saying, if you're if the household in which you live, they're unsaved, they should be hearing. If the neighborhood in which you live, they are the unsaved, they should be hearing. If the workplace that you work, the people are unsaved, they should be hearing. Despite, in spite of, irregardless of. And you can finish the dot, dot, dots. If we continue to live, if we continue to claim that we have faith, and there is no actions or work that is following our faith. James says our faith is dead. Do you know what a dead thing looks like? It is lifeless. It is just there. A corpse is just there. Decomposing day after day. No matter how much they put that corpse on ice. It is breaking down day by day because it is dead. And the natural thing for dead things to do is to decompose and rot. And if our faith is not placed in action, our faith is rotting day after day, decomposing day after day. Nothing is happening day after day. And James is urging us and he's challenging us at NLH this morning. These are the kind of person that I'm calling you to be are persons who recognize that you cannot have genuine faith if you do not put your faith to the work to work. You cannot say that you have faith if your faith if your faith is does not is not compatible with what you, with what you do. You cannot have faith, claim to have faith if your faith is not expressed in actions. This morning, I want us to reflect on what God is saying to us. This morning, I want us to reflect upon every word that God is saying to us. What is the good in your having faith in God and there are no outward evidence of a saved life? Where is the fruit that proves that you are connected to Christ? Are your actions consistent with your faith? What is the benefit or the profit to you being a believer and claiming to have faith but have no works as proof of your faith? What is the difference between your life of believing as opposed to the enemy the demons who also believe not only just believe but they believe and they tremble they shudder fearfully James says show me your actions and I'll tell you who you are show me show me what you're doing and I'll tell you what you believe show me what you are doing and I will tell you what you believe. If it's all about you, if it's all about you, if all you are concerned about is about me, my well-being, 
my trust in God for what I need so that I can get so that so that now we we can we can quote we can quote um Paul's thing from Hebrews 11 faith is the substance of things to hope for the evidence of things not seen if that is all faith is to us James is saying to us our faith is dead as I said to you earlier Paul, James is not contradicting Paul. James is saying, having believed, having believed, having received salvation, what is the ongoing demonstration of your reality? Of that initial transaction of your faith? What is the ongoing demonstration of that initial reaction or the initial reality of your faith. I pray, my sisters and brothers, that this morning you will realize that what God has called us to at NLH, we can't hide. You notice know, another beautiful thing. We are so small that we can't hide. We can't hide in the cracks. We can't hide in the pews. We're so small that God is so is seeing us. Not that he's seeing, not seeing those in the larger congregation. Yes, he's seeing us and he's highlighting and he's picking, out, picking on us. And he's saying, I am challenging you today. How is your faith being tested? Through what you do. Is it only being tested by you? wanting things or is it being tested by you doing the work of the father how is your faith being clarified how is your faith being purified is it only being purified as you wait on him to respond or is it being purified as you as you do the work of the evangelist that sister tashina charged me this morning and when she charged me this morning i i i sat here and i heard it and and it's always difficult to hear that 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 verse that 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 text always so difficult because i realize it's a big charge it's a big charge and as i heard her read first timothy four verses one to five this morning i heard in my spirit and this is for all of nlh because you too are called to do the work of the evangelist. You are too are called to rebuke. You too are called to correct in love. You too are called to do every work. Is your faith working? Is your faith overcoming? Is your faith standing? Because if it is not, James is saying to you and I this morning that without actions, without works, without deeds, our faith is dead. And so this morning, Father, I thank you for your word that comes to my life as a challenge. And I pray, Father God, that your people too will be challenged as I feel challenged this morning. That, Lord, I can't claim to believe something and do nothing about what I claim to believe. The demons are doing the same thing. What would make the difference between Ava and the demons? We both believe. Actually, 
Paul, James goes as far as to say, not only do they believe, but there is that fearful component of what they know. And so, Father, I pray that our lives will be different, that every one of us on this line today, that our lives will be different from the demons. Because, Lord, we will be those who, who, who like Jesus, spend the time to hear what the Father is doing. Spend the time to see what the Father is doing and like, do likewise. Father, you have a call on all of us. There's a call for Tashina, a call for Anne, Tamar, Karen, Rifa, Ruth, Jordan, for Winston who fell off. There's a call for, for, for Faith who was on. There's a call for Laverne who was not on. And for all those who would have been on, there's a call, Father, this morning for all of us. And the call, Father, is to challenge us. So, Father, I feel challenged this morning. Here I am, God, the songwriter says. Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling through the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. And I will hold your people in my heart. Father, may we stop being people who just speak. May we stop being people who just speak about our faith to each other, to each other. And we speak about the goodness of God to each other only. But may we be the people who, Father, that we put feet to our faith and take the good news to others. Those who are dying without knowing. Those who need to be encouraged to believe. May we be those who go and hold your people in our hearts, we pray. Amen and amen.